Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. try to make cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. <laughs> um, I have to tell you a thing. Mm-hmm. Please do. Here I go. Um, so I've been meaning to give an update to the ear, nose, and throat doctor, the ENT thing that I had mentioned. Yeah, the whooshing. I had like some whooshing. Went to the doctor. So, anyways, long story short, I ended up having to go get a scan. Did I talk about the scan? Nobody remembers. It doesn't matter. But I was really, really nervous because it was <laughs> it was a scan of, you know, my face, which would cover probably some of my head, which who knows what it would see. T, get it? CT. Um, <laughs> but um, anyways, so I'm telling you this story because it involves how crazy medical trauma is and also... Well, whatever. Just listen to the story and then you'll figure it out. But um, I'm at rapt attention. (laughs) Uh, I was at the appointment with him discussing how I needed this scan. And in my head, it started racing because, you know, we're psychos now after a cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Sorry. us. True. true. Um, It's fine, though. So I'm getting a scan in my head. I know I don't have cancer in my brain. I know it hasn't gone to my brain. But what if it has? Because I don't know. I've never had a scan in my head. What if we don't know this, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, well, that's crazy. And then my other part of me was like, yeah, I know that's crazy, but this is your life now. Like, you're crazy. Um, so I was like, I either need to like, be crazy for a couple of weeks, waiting to get the scan, waiting to get the results and just let myself be and be nice to myself and gentle, or I need to find a way to opt out. And I did. And I'm sharing this because I really recommend you Ooh, use it. Oh, yeah. Um, so I say to the ear, nose and throat doctor, as the appointment's ending, I'm like, hey, can I say something kind of crazy? And he like looks at me and and he's like, can we do the duet from Frozen right now? <laughs> now you have to start singing it. How does it go? Uh, there's something about sandwiches. Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound like singing, staff. <laughs> my my kids are a little bit out of the Frozen phase. I apologize. <sighs> my kid has been watching it, but I actually cannot even remember it. Uh, can I? Say I'm so sorry. Crazy? Move. Go on. Go no, on no. I, I just I want to go into Frozen. Okay, so. He, I had piqued his interest. He looked at me and said, yes, and shut the door. And I was like, oh, God, does he think I'm going to kiss him? Because I'm not. <laughs> I'm taken. No, he didn't. He's it wasn't been waiting good. all of his life for a patient to ask for a threesome. <laughs> Did you say for a threesome? Me, mm-hmm. him, and... Kevin. Or oh. his wife or partner. You know, who knows? Oh. I don't know this guy's relationship status. 
I don't either. I, can I say something crazy? Are you married? Um, no, I said, <laughs> can I say something crazy? He shuts the door. He looks at me and said, yes. And I said, listen, I know this is crazy. I know I sound like a psycho, but this is just my medical trauma from like the whole cancer thing. And I know this isn't real, but if I just say it out loud to you, then I don't have to worry about it. I need when you get these scan results, if there is anything oncology related, if there is some weird little tumor, if there's anything that looks suspicious, if I was like, I know that that's not going to happen. Understand that I know that rationally, but I need you to send it to my oncologist. When I come in here, I don't want you talking to me about any of it. I only want you talking to me about the sinuses because yeah. otherwise I'm going to just worry and have these like silly thoughts that I understand aren't real, but they still will happen. And so that way I don't stress about the scan and I don't stress about coming in the week after the scan to talk about it because yeah, yeah. This is just not a sinus, you know, unless I have sinus cancer, then I guess you could. Talk to no, I didn't say that. Um, but he was like totally cool about it. He was like, yes, of course, I will put that note in there. That's understandable. I will send it. Tell me who your oncologist is, you know, and he's like, I don't anticipate that either, but I can do that. Anyway, it it released me, though. I totally like went to you know it's i understand yeah. it's psycho that you'd be nervous about an ear nose and throat appointment like i understand that but i'm telling it to you because it's not as abnormal as i would have expected it to be before having cancer yeah no, i hear it all the what? time from people stuff like that's this. totally the thing is like feelings only have as much power as we give them and you know it if you approach it as like just a neutral thing that you have to deal with one way or the other like you're just taking control of the situation mm -hmm. and good job. You're so smart. And I do feel like by saying like, I know this sounds crazy, but this is, this will help me not be crazy. You know, like just naming it in that way makes it so like, I don't really give a crap if this weird doctor right. thinks I'm weird or not. It's just like, that is, I would rather he think I'm a freaking weirdo than yeah. have me have to take Ativan for three days over some right. made up story my brain's telling me. Um, but I it will just totally say, takes like all of the shame away. Like it, yeah. once you name something. Yeah, totally. Um, I was getting texts the other day. I was at a follow-up appointment because I did get a sinus surgery. Um, and, uh, I was getting texts from a friend, one of my dear friends I've met through cancer, who's now very dear to me. And, and she was saying like, do you ever get really, you know, have all these crazy thoughts? Like I have to get my blood taken or and I, I'm just worried. I, I love it how in the UK they always say like my bloods. Don't you? I'm sorry. Excuse me. You have a another dear friend of cancer and she's it, she's British. Is that what you're telling me right now? No, but I just like was wanting us to start being able to say bloods. That was me wanting that. That okay. wasn't her. Well, she didn't say bloods, but I love I'm it. I'm extremely how jealous. So congratulations. <laughs> Listen, staff. <laughs> You're the only one whose bloods I love. Um, so she was saying she had to get blood work done and she always just gets all worked up in her head and all of this stuff. And and so I told her that crazy thing of, of that I the ENT thing. And then she just texted me back and she's like, I'm so sorry, but 
I'm not trying to be mean, but I am just like laughing at you right now because <laughs> this is crazy. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm telling you this story because I want you to understand. I want you to laugh. I want you to know, like, yeah. yes, we're freaking crazy. This is like medical yeah. trauma. Um, but she was <laughs> like, <laughs> she did say, but, but I love it because I'm not the only one who's crazy. Like you're right. crazy, you know? We're all crazy. That's why we do this podcast. That's Um, right. I'm not going to keep going about ear, nose, and throat shit because this is not the (laughs) ear, nose, and throat for breakfast podcast. But I do have something relevant to tell you about the surgery I had. But let's take a break from this. This is too much right now. I want to hear from you and then I'll come back to it in a little bit. Oh, I like that. A little teaser and then you'll come back for a, a dessert. (laughs) um i wanted to talk about uh shows that i've been loving like i have really steered totally clear of anything that seems like it involves like death or anything i did the same thing when i was pregnant and even into my kids early childhood like i could not handle i'm i'm already like spooky light is my max but um my sensibilities just turned so so like prudish and fearful and so I couldn't watch anything that was like anybody in peril anything super scary and so that's kind of been the case now since I was diagnosed I don't want to see anything about anybody dying or being really sick but um a friend of mine told me to watch this BBC show called Ghosts Mm -hmm. and Um, I have now recommended it to like every single person that I know. And it's something that I would have avoided before because it was like, oh, it's about dead people. No, thanks. Mm -hmm. But it has brought me so much joy in the time that I have. I've now watched the entire series. It's, I think, three seasons long. And there's an American one, too, that I cannot vouch for because I haven't watched it yet. But Mm -hmm. um, it's just so sweet and funny and like charming and. Um, so I fully recommend the BBC Ghosts for anybody who wants something like that's like a toe dip into the world of the afterlife. Ooh, it's like made me weirdly um, ghosts and also the Ricky Gervais show Afterlife. Um, mm-hmm. And I just want to like put up a disclaimer here: Ricky Gervais is such like a purposeless meanie mm-hmm. so much of the time. And so I don't usually hype anything that he does, but also on the flip side of that, he makes these really like earnest and sincere and lovely characters. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't understand what the, what the disconnect is there for good old Ricky Gervais. But Afterlife is about a man whose wife dies of cancer and would not have touched it with a 10 foot pole. Right. Like, mm-hmm. except in one of my metastatic groups, people were like, you guys, seriously, the show is so good. And both Ghosts and Afterlife have made me feel like actually better about dying in this wow. weird way because it's um one in on Ghosts, you know, it's like really irreverent and the dead people are um they're still around. And I think like when you don't have a real solid belief system around like the supernatural um, or the afterlife, or you just don't really believe that anything happens. It's hard mm-hmm. because you just see it as like this hard endpoint. And that's kind of depressing. But yeah. to see ghosts and like live in that fantasy land for a little while is really mm, fun. Yeah. Even if it's cheesy. But then afterlife is really nice because, you know, it shows 
somebody grieving and being like grief stricken and having a very hard time, but like moving on. And, you know, like, I feel like we get really nervous for our loved ones that they're just going to crash and burn Mm -hmm. or that they're not. And they're just going to be like, do to do who cares? They died. (laughs) Right. Like, which is better? Like, yeah. um, I mean, I know which is better, but they both suck. (laughs) They do both suck. Which is foreshadowing for something I want to talk about later, by the way, but go on. But yeah, anyway, Afterlife really does a great job of showing that, you know, healing is possible and memories can stay alive. And Mm. I don't know. I just I wanted to give a shout out for anybody else who's like super averse to watching anything like this. Um, Ghosts, BBC and Afterlife both get my my thumbs up. My guy jumping out of his chair. I love it. Um, Thank you so much, Siskel. Um, I (laughs) (laughs) I Ebert. Was just recommended uh, Afterlife from a good friend of mine who is... Was it me? <laughs> no, it's my other cancer friend that I like better than you. No, it's my friend who is a cancer adjacent person who lost her mom to cancer. And she's listened to some of our podcasts. And she's like, I think you and Steph would like this show and blah, 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 blah. And she was telling me about it. And I was like, you don't have cancer. You don't know how we'll <laughs> feel about it. She might. I don't. And then you... You, Steph, yeah. you're, you're recommending. I'm like, well, I'm going to watch it. Steph said to, I'm not going <laughs> to do what Anna said. Um, well, just kidding. It is hard. It's hard when you know that the person doesn't necessarily get it, like a cancer person would get yeah. it. But, but yeah, I think that so many shows don't do a great job in movies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but these two do love it. Love it. That's love awesome. to see it. You love to see it. People, you just do. <laughs> um, so I have a request for people who need a little bit of prodding or like an idea for writing letters. in. I know a lot of people are like, I want to write in and I just haven't done it. But sometimes I feel like throwing things out there is kind of nice. Um, speaking of what we were just saying of like both options suck, you know, like I yeah. don't want this, but also that, you know, I feel like with cancer. there are so many things that fit that mold of like this or that or this because of that and they cancel each other out or they make the the first thing were or I don't know but I have examples but I yes. want people to write in with some of these too because I feel like I run into them all the time um so let's see Oh, like we were actually talking about this the other day, stuff. how like no one truly gets it, but other cancer people. And when you can find friendship with people that get it, when you can text your friend about getting your bloods drawn yeah, and your panic and all this stuff, it's the best. But like those friends are also on the flip side, the ones that have the potential to completely traumatize you the most by like, yes dying or like (laughs) yeah or even just the way that they deal with things like it might not be the same way that you would deal with things and so if somebody takes a totally different approach to like how they communicate about their cancer or something it can feel really scary even though you have so much in common there's Mm -hmm. still those like opportunities for them to totally freak you out right which gets to another one is like you as a cancer person, don't want people to feel sorry for you and you don't want people to like pity you. 
But then on the flip side, if people are not having compassion for your experience, you want to scream from the rooftops, but this sucks so bad though, you know, like, yeah. So there's this flip. And so to go back to what you were just saying, like somebody could be screaming from the rooftops about how much it sucks and you're sitting there reading it going or like, like that's me, you know, like, yeah, you, you just like pointed out, I don't know, but well, there's and, like, we, we have talked about how the tightrope walk is so hard when you want to appear like strong and like you're doing fine because you don't want that pity. But then like, sometimes there's really shitty, ridiculous stuff that comes with just like living with cancer. That's mm-hmm. like, maybe you realize you've been sugarcoating it a little bit and like your family is about to go under because of medical bankruptcy or like you actually really need some help and like financially or emotionally or otherwise. And then you can't suddenly just be like, hi, I'm drowning. Yeah. (laughs) Because you've been like, I've got this. I'm doing so great. Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard. Um, Okay, let's see. I have this just silly little list here. Um, Okay, so like all you want is just for somebody to be able to tell you that it's going to be okay. But then when like a friend or family member tells you you're going to be okay, you get like so pissed because you're like, yeah, like you don't know me. You don't know my story. What are you, you know, (laughs) like or like a worry, right? Like I have this ache and I have this, you know, there's must be progression or this must be my cancer back. And they're like no, it's not. And you're like, shut up. But all you want is for someone to tell you that it's not. Yep. Oh, if you're like someone like me, the only way you know if you're cured is to wait and see if you're going to (laughs) die. Or to wait to see if you die. Yes. Um, Oh, (laughs) this one is the most fucked up thing. I don't can't believe I I started laughing out loud when I wrote this down. (laughs) Okay. You believe in karma, but you also believe in poisoning rats, monkeys, and dogs to potentially save your life. <laughs> oh, God. It's so true. It is true. It's like worrying is bad for cancer, but cancer makes you worry. You know, like, I want to just know that I'm going to be able to live and be older and then. No, but you can just look older from the medication you take, you know? Oh, my God. I know. You know what this reminds me of is when... um. You go into the scanner and they're like, okay, just be still. Or like, you don't, this isn't a breath holding scan. So, you know, just breathe at your own pace. And then I'm in the scanner being like, (laughs) 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 Like, I can't figure out what normal breathing even looks like. And then it makes Mm -hmm. me even more of a freak. Yep. I'm just going to do one more. Oh, just like every single treatment causes side effects that mimic cancer progression oh my god yes every single thing radiation gave me rib pain rib pain is a sign of cancer my boobs are lumpier because of hormone therapy lumpier Mm -hmm. boobs make me think i have cancer like my yep everything fatigue fatigue that's my big one right now is like trying to parse out what's seasonal affective disorder what's fatigue from my medications what's uh Mm -hmm. oh maybe i have brain meds (laughs) who knows Mm -hmm. it's just a grab bag it's a grab bag and then like this is sort of similar as what i've already said but like when things are bad you hate just like being the person that complains and complains and complains 
But then when things are bad, you hate not complaining. It's like there's just yeah. no good. <gasps> but on that note, I will just tell you quickly that your nose and throat thing. And then I have questions for you about something that happened for you. Yeah, go. It's sort of along that note of not wanting people to feel sorry for you and not wanting that stuff. Like I had to do this sinus surgery, right? Yeah. And I minimized it because it's not cancer related. You did minimize it. You even minimized it with me. I minimized it with everybody, including myself. I wasn't trying to lie. (laughs) I was like, oh, it's just totally like the recovery is super easy. It's not a big deal. And then you know, it's like an hour and a half. It's like, it's not a thing, you know? And I didn't even tell any of my local friends, you know, I like saw some of them and I happened to mention it just to explain why I was being so paranoid, double masking, staying far away from them. I'm just like, I'm going to do this surgery. I don't want to get the doctors sick when I don't have, you know, Yeah. but I was like, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Honestly, what was going on in my brain was this isn't cancer. I have been through so much. Yeah. I don't care. You could do whatever to me. And I even said that to my ENT about the surgery because I was supposed to get the surgery years ago and didn't. And I was like, years ago, I heard about this. And I was like, you're not going in there and drilling part of my (laughs) bone through my nostril. No, I was like, but now I'm like, I don't just do whatever. Drill some bone, you know, like (laughs) um, as long as it's not cancer, I don't give an F. Oh, first of all, I also had the exact same pre-op room as my breast surgery. Oh, man. And the exact same anesthesiologist who told me that they were my anesthesiologist too. They're like, oh, I shot you with blah, blah, blah. And like, how's that? Do you ever see that surgeon? And all this stuff. I was like, oh my God. But I was really impressed with myself because I was more like intrigued by the fact that that was the same than like, I'm back here. Yeah, it didn't trigger you massively. No, I was like, this is weird. But anyway, so I got home from my surgery and I was just like bleeding out my nose. I had this huge gauze like taped and held on in this weird gross way that they did i was like what are the i hate you guys but then i just like bled for like a day and a half and like i felt like no one cared and so i had minimized everything and then i felt like this little bird with a broken wing who's just like you know and like kevin wasn't really like babying me and i was joking to you steph i was like you could just erase everything i said about kevin in the caregivers episode (laughs) Because he doesn't even care. And like, that's totally not true. He did care. But, you know, he wasn't like, let me go order dinner. Like, he was just like, you know, hanging out. Yeah. And then I realized like, oh, my God, everyone is taking my cue because I'm the one who set this up that this is nothing. This is nothing. This is nothing. Yeah. So, of course, you know. And then I also realized like, just because it's not cancer doesn't mean that like, it doesn't also suck. It's exhausting to be put under. Right. I was had to take like pills to like pain meds and different stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that it's so interesting how just everything medical is different now. You know what I mean? Totally. And I think for the uninitiated into like chronic illness or like major medical issues, whether they're ongoing or not, like people who have never experienced that would have experienced that surgery Mm -hmm. as a really big deal. Like, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't even do it years ago. Like I was like, no, you know. Yeah. 
And so it just goes to show how much the goalposts shift after a cancer diagnosis when you're just like, oh, it's just a different surgery. It's not like (laughs) life saving. So who cares? But yeah, it still counts. But I think we sort of like get mad when people call us brave, but then we like feel like we can do whatever because nothing compares to what we've already done or something, you know, and it's just like, that's just not true. Like, yeah, it's just not. Yeah. But anyway, well, I'm glad your sinuses are better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's I was going to ask you something or can you tell me what we were going to talk about next? Because I don't have a brain. Oh, I have just been kind of complaining lately around in my Mm -hmm. community about um, some medical stuff like everybody who has been listening for a long time will remember that I ran for the public hospital district board of directors and lost. Mm -hmm. But um, can we talk about your opponent or not? Oh, we could. But okay, you just, just go on and then let me throw him <laughs> under the bigger bus. It's just semi bus. It's it's just really it's frustrating to me when I see instances of sort of like money grabs and stuff, especially in healthcare, um, mm. because it affects me now. It affects our entire community. We live in a rural area where there's not a lot of wealth, and so when I see places that are operating outside of what I consider to be like ethical boundaries, Mm -hmm. you know, with regards to what our community looks like. It really pisses me off. Okay. Tell me, give me this. So every detail there are, there's this like, it's not super, super new, but this trend toward either what's called concierge medicine, which is where you kind of like Mm -hmm. pay a retainer to belong mm-hmm. to a medical practice and then mm-hmm. um, whether you use it or not, it's sort of like insurance, but only for one particular office or provider. And mm-hmm. they don't work with your insurance company. And then there's another mm-hmm. sort of similar brand of that kind of medicine, which a lot of people call like pay to play, which is where they do not work with your insurance. They'll like tell you how you could try to bill your insurance for their services. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they'll also offer usually it's like specialized care. And unfortunately, I have noticed that this is just totally anecdotal, but I think it's a lot of the times, quote unquote, women's health care. And um, also weirdly like queer friendly practitioners. Hmm. And I think that there's a lot of advantage being taken of people. Um, I think that when you make a conscious decision not to work with insurance, you're saying, I don't want to work with poor patients. I don't want to work with indigent people Mm. because they have insurance through the state (laughs) and they usually Mm -hmm. don't have extra money to spend on out-of-pocket health care. And so it just really pisses me off. And there's there's an office like that here in our community. And they do things like offer like they had a Christmas tree during the holidays where they had like coupons. If you shouted them out on social media, you could like get a discount and stuff or like some of the Mm. envelopes had cash in them. And it was just like, what legitimate doctor is giving you an envelope of cash for posting about them on the Internet? Like, (laughs) that's so sketchy. And it just sucks because I see a lot of people advocating for them being like, they saved my life. And it's just like, you know what? They didn't save your life. They ordered a TSH that like your other doctor blew you off about. Like, that's not... (laughs) 
What's a TSH? It's like a thyroid test, you know? It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like yeah. What qualifies as saving your life is very different to most people. <laughs> but mm. it just is so maddening because so many of us, like in the, especially, you know, in the cancer community, like we can't pay out of pocket for things because if I was paying out of pocket, you know, my medication alone would be 25, my, one of my medications would be $23,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And it's just so myopic for the healthy people to be like, whatever, get off your soapbox. Like if you can't afford it, then just like enjoy your subpar healthcare. Like doctors deserve to make a living. And it's just like, you know, it. well, I don't know very much about these kind of practices, but I could see how it actually could in the long run be cheaper for some people that have really crappy insurance. And that does include people like elderly people, maybe that are on Medicare or whatever and rather than paying that all the crazy out-of-pocket costs or people if you have bad insurance and then you have such high just to be seen more than x amount of times a year if you're gonna have to pay out of pocket anyway maybe it is cheaper to even keep your low insurance as a backup but then to go see and just pay the 60 bucks for one hour whatever I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, although I think that that's just roulette, like you're just waiting. True. But if you still keep your crappy insurance, it's not any worse than keeping it and seeing their doctors. But I mean, like there's all the urgent care places. Like we have zillions of those in Portland now. Do you have those? They're in Seattle. Yeah. Which is a different thing than you're talking about. But it is a thing that like anybody can go. You just show up and it's, it's like taking your dog to the dog groomer you just like show yeah. up pay some money like get your you know wart frozen off and leave it's like yeah i mean definitely like free market people will be like whatever it could be cheaper like it, the argument about you know doctors deserving to make money wherever they want to sure whatever but from my perspective somebody who is very very invested in single payer and like Medicare for all, you know, I feel like any doctor that's working outside of the push toward single payer healthcare, where everybody has health insurance and everybody mm-hmm. gets treatment. Um, I just find that super unethical. And they often also, like I said, use like a minority or really weirdly like gendered language and um, in the case of queer healthcare groups that don't work with insurance, it's especially insulting to me because those people don't need to be paying out of pocket for services that other doctors won't offer them. The other doctors need to be offering them. Like, oh, I see what you're saying. Those are advocacy roles. Like, mm-hmm. just because you can't find a trans friendly doctor doesn't mean that you need to then shift to a private place where you're paying out of pocket. Like, right. That's just not acceptable to me. Yeah. Um, and somebody being unable to find a primary care doctor that will order the blood test that they think they want to diagnose a problem. Like that's not okay either. Like you need to just be able to work with the doctors that take your insurance that you pay for every mm-hmm. month. And those insurance companies need to offer, a broader spectrum of healthcare that they'll pay for. Like mm-hmm. it just is, is really maddening to me. And I've, I've talked a lot to my friend who has a profoundly disabled daughter. And I feel like people who live with this amount of healthcare access that we do 
have very little time for people who are like, just pay out of pocket because like we literally could not pay out of pocket. I wouldn't see enough money in my life in four lifetimes, Mm -hmm. you know, to pay out of pocket for the care that I get. And the whole idea that these places also offer you some kind of standard of care that you can't get elsewhere is bullshit. Like find a place that offers you that standard of care. Those doctors should be pushing for a better standard of care instead of like Mm -hmm. opting out of the system. Yeah. It just is really maddening. And then also that they usually then use their lack of engagement with insurance companies to do things like offering selective services and things. Um, You know, like if you're a private physician and you don't offer like broad spectrum reproductive services, if you don't work with any insurance, then... You don't you're not beholden to anybody about that. Mm -hmm. You can call yourself a women's health clinic uh, when what you really mean is a gynecological health clinic, Mm -hmm. because plenty of non-women have vaginas and uteruses and Mm -hmm. breasts that they need checked and things like that. So I don't know. I I hate it. And it's popular in my community. And I'm always getting into like social media fights about it. I love your social media fights. I want <laughs> I want you to have a, a Tumblr that's just screenshots of <laughs> Steph's, Steph's going after him again. Um, one of my friends, I think, goes to one of these clinics in another town. I don't even know where, but she had posted about it maybe to get the cash grab from the, yeah. the tree of <laughs> certificates or whatever. Um, but she had posted about... I think this is funny because I always want to call it a hyperbolic Hyper, chamber. Hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> oh, hyperbolic chamber. But yeah, hyperbaric chamber. She was posting that she was like in there getting oxygen therapy. And of course, like, you know, me and you are these like always like scouting out the weird stuff, but also like into the cool weird stuff. And yeah. we're gonna draw the line. But then I was, you know, at like one in the morning Googling these chambers and all the different things that it could be beneficial for. And can I tell you that my dad was like an early developer of the hyperbaric chamber? (gasps) Oh my God. Yes. I knew he did something. Is it that? Yeah. That's amazing. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, good. Cause I was going to say now I want to do it. And now I have a name to drop when I join this girl's special clinic. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, That's amazing. Tell, will you tell a tiny bit more about, his his role in that oh people need to know no he was an asshole i don't want to talk about him but (laughs) hyperbaric chambers are cool for like uh wounds that won't heal for uh treating carbon monoxide poisoning stuff like that i was thinking about it for my rib radiation damage and just like breast surgery damage like could it be beneficial maybe i mean it's really funny i used to hang out in the chamber like i've I've done many dives, they called. I mean, I don't even know what the parlance is nowadays for hyperbaric mm-hmm. chambers. But um, yeah, I mean, like I used to just sit in the chamber with my dad's patients sometimes just to hang out with them, especially if they had kids. Like, oh, my gosh, every once in a while, a family would get like carbon monoxide poisoning or something. And I would go hang out at my dad's work. And that's amazing. I would hold the like little this is probably, I mean, he's dead, so he can't get in trouble now, but I would hold the little like ruler over people's wounds because they would take pictures of them 
to see like progress. <laughs> so somewhere there's like a little tiny Stephanie hands holding a ruler oh, over somebody's like gaping God. wound. Yeah. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Diabetic ulcers and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I, I believe in the utility of hyperbaric chambers. I just think it's weird that you can just like use them for whatever, but more power to you if you want to spend your money on that. Mm -hmm. That is mm -hmm. something else, though, that's weird. Like this clinic in my town does this, too. They have all these like cosmetic procedures and stuff that they mm -hmm. offer. And I feel like one of the things they were doing on social media is th like if you tagged them in a post or whatever, they were doing giveaways. And so they would select people to be winners of these cosmetic procedures. I mean, realistically, they're offering medical procedures mm -hmm. because they're medical doctors. And I'm just like, is that ethical? Like being like, hey, Tiffany L, you won uh, Botox injections. <laughs> or what? It's just like, what did she ask for Botox injections or? Well, she needs them. Someone <laughs> had to tell her. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, geez. That really took a twist. I like that. I'm a healthcare harpy. I won't apologize for it. Well, speaking of how perfect you would have been for that hospital council position. <sighs> Can I just say five things about it that are so quick? Yes. You can cut anything you're uncomfortable about. Okay. So Steph ran for a position that was unopposed. There were multiple unopposed positions to be on this committee. Mm -hmm. She gets a phone call from this honcho-y big time Joe Joey California or whatever his name is <laughs> who lives there. And he's just the guy he has been on this hospital board forever. And he just like thinks he runs the town. I don't know any of this. I'm no, just you're, this. you're right. Like, it's just kind of like the idea, right? Mm -hmm. He calls her and he says, Oh, I hear you're going to run for seat number 26 or something. He's like, you know, I've been kind of thinking about getting out of the game, the game. He didn't say that, but you know, and he's like, mm -hmm. I've been kind of, you know, I've been on this board for so many years and I kind of want to shift to doing some other stuff. So like, maybe you should just run in my seat so then I can not run. So, and I, I just want to add here that he wanted to focus on his county council seat, which he also holds. Yeah. Joey, California, Google him. <laughs> That's not his name. And so Steph graciously speaks with him that it's polite she says you know if you if you want to get out i mean i don't care if i'm in position 26 or in position 12 or whatever no he probably is position one that's what he would run for um so steph applies to run against him so he can drop out and then what does he do doesn't drop out they both could have been on this freaking committee. Mm -hmm. He went after somebody with metastatic cancer who's trying to help people who is known in her community for being an activist because he thought he would clobber her and he didn't want her on the committee because he's a motherfucker. What he told me is that the hospital administrators asked him to stay on, which, you know, is an interesting thing to say when you're on the elected board that's supposed to represent the community and not the hospital but his name is peter browning so <laughs> well you know what maybe the hospital did ask him to run to tell you to do this so that you wouldn't be on their board so that they can keep sucking i mean who knows i wonder yeah politics man i i just like can totally understand why you wanted to go into it stuff <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded so fun sounds really cool um yeah so peter i hope you're Staying busy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to run into him somewhere. Oh. <laughs> I was so 
mad. Mm-hmm. I'm still so mad. And this was months ago. God. Well, now you got all the gossip. We we bring it all here on Cancer for Breakfast. <laughs> That's right. Oh, speaking of gossip. Do we have letters? Yeah. And one's a little gossipy, which I love. And one of these is just a hot tip that our friend said we can share. She says she has a hot tip for us. Chrysanthemum tea is great for hot flashes. I had no idea about this. Did you? Me either. No, I didn't. She says that her naturopath recommended it and she swears it works. It's disgusting. (laughs) Uh, This isn't the gossipy one, by the way. Um, (laughs) You'll never believe what I heard about chrysanthemum. Um, She says she mixed it with green tea and it was way better. And she drinks three cups at her doctor's direction to get the effect. And it works. And as long as I'm not existing in some sort of swamp beast heat anymore, she is happy and it's working for her. That's awesome. I'm totally going to try that. So many of us struggle with that. Hot flashes suck. I mean, I feel like it's a cartoony kind of thing in the media and stuff that we see about old women getting their hot flashes mm-hmm. but they keep you up at night like it's so uncomfortable and so miserable to get hot flashes and mm-hmm. you don't understand how bad it is until you have them yeah it's not just like being hot for a second it's like full body ugh ugh it sucks <laughs> um okay this is the one it's not really gossipy but you know how I like to lie um so this is from a friend of ours who wrote saying she finally caught up on the rats we did about phacoidin yep how do you actually say it phacoidin phacoidin i think i don't know we got a lot of interest in that rats we had multiple people writing us asking what type of phacoidin to order this is the brown algae rats that stuff did is showing some like kind of really neat research stuff that's barely been scratched but it's seeming like it could be really cool for killing off some cancers um so she said y'all said fuck dan so much in that episode that i have to share this because (laughs) yes f dan (laughs) i dated two men named dan consecutively and most recently they are my most recent exes um the first one was nicknamed dirty dan because he was an f boy (laughs) he was my neighbor and we dated for two years the second was nicknamed good dan or new dan because he was a slightly better guy slightly better we also dated for two years and lived together new dan and i broke up four days before my diagnosis oh this man dealt with my menti bees which is mental breakdowns that we we love this new slogan after going out with friends bandaged my biopsy site that bled for days and packed and moved my things while I had my port surgery, all while making it very clear that he was relieved he was technically out before I was diagnosed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyways, I've always wondered why the name Dan seemed to haunt me. Maybe it's the cure to my cancer. <laughs> Fuck you, Dan! Fuck you, Dan! Also, yes, I successfully worked full time, found an apartment and furniture, went to all of my staging scans and cancer appointments, had port surgery, and went on a week long girls trip to the beach in the four weeks between diagnosis and chemo starting. I look back and think, who the hell was that superwoman? Yes. That was awesome. Thank you so much. I'm not going to say the name because I don't know if she wants it to be anonymous or not. So I'm just. Yeah. (laughs) 
But if you know somebody who had cancer and dated two Dans in a row, that's her. <laughs> it's her. <laughs> she is a superwoman. Yes. Yes, indeed. I love it. I'm glad that new Dan hung around and was a stand-up guy through the cancer stuff. Yeah. Way to go, new Dan. Way to go. But also... I had to. I had to. I just had to. Um, Speaking of rats, do you have a rats? I do have a rats. do a rats on joe biden's cancer moonshot biatch okay love it so this has gotten some heat in the cancer community that i am honestly you know i am very sympathetic to empathetic to i think that whenever we see somebody making promises we mm-hmm. get a little bristly mm-hmm. because we're kind of like mm-hmm, we'll believe it when we see it but here is the sort of upshot of joe biden's moonshot Get it upshot. Mm-hmm, that's right. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so Joe Biden's son, Bo, died in 2016. And that's the same year that this program began. It originated during the Obama administration. But Jill Biden actually had four friends get breast cancer in 1993. And she started wow. being a cancer advocate I shouldn't say she started being a cancer advocate because that makes it sound like she's pro cancer. She started (laughs) she started working in cancer advocacy in 93. Mm -hmm. Um, So these people are not strangers to the cancer community. And then Kamala Harris's mom was actually a breast cancer researcher and then died of colon cancer in 2009. So I feel like this is a pretty good crew to be concerned about cancer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um what the original cancer moonshot did was they focused on early detection and prevention they wanted to accelerate uh discoveries in cancer research and treatment um they wanted to improve data sharing and that whole program is slated to end in 2023 basically what has happened since uh the beginning of this century, which is a crazy ass thing to say, but since 2000, Mm -hmm. uh, the age adjusted death rate from cancer um, has gone down 25%. So what that means is people are surviving cancer and living longer with a stage four diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But what the moonshot wants to do is to cut today's age adjusted death rate by at least 50% over the next 25 years. So that would be really great. You know, that's in 50 years, Mm -hmm. basically, to drop it by 75%. Um, The new program includes focus on, again, early detection and prevention, but also in inequities in cancer research and cancer treatment. So I am going to be really interested to see how they 
address that because as we know, it's a big problem, um, not only in getting patients adequate health care, but also in finding researchers who aren't just like white dudes. So mm-hmm. people need to have that pathway to college, to yes. grad school, to jobs in the research field. Um, and we don't need it to only be white men. Um Thank you. We need more targeted treatments. That's part of the new program. Um, it, rather than these like broad chemotherapies, they're wanting to focus on targeted treatments mm-hmm. for cancer and more research for rare and childhood cancers, which thank you. As we know from our friend at Cheering for Charlie on Instagram, childhood cancers only get 4% overall of cancer research funding, which is criminal. So crazy. And then also the new program includes a focus on support for caregivers and for cancer patients. And also, if I read this right, for providers, which I was actually just talking about this with my nurse who gave me my Lupron injection. And it's so funny, you know, like we see these people once a month and I've got this like Mm -hmm. rotating schedule kind of of two or three nurses that I see all the time. And Mm -hmm. we always like to talk about podcasts, this particular nurse and I, and we ended up talking about PTSD in the medical field because she was like, yeah, I Mm. basically only listen to nursing podcasts and like healthcare podcasts. But, you know, we talked about how bad the PTSD can be for nurses Mm -hmm. and healthcare workers and how it just doesn't get addressed. And like they're put into these really traumatic situations and then just expected to go on with their jobs. Yeah often in this exact same environment with very similar patients and stuff. And there's just no support there. So I am all for anything that can get the people who are supposed to be saving our lives <laughs> better, better frame of mind. I think that would, that would be cool. Yeah. So the moonshot is also creating a cabinet, including people from the department of health and human services, the environmental protection agency and the office of public engagement. I read a really cool article from a doctor who was calling on President Biden to have the moonshot include a demand for immediate banning of asbestos because it's still not totally banned in the United States. And it was like, psycho. there's tons of ways we don't know people get cancer, but we do know people get like mesothelioma and stuff from asbestos. So this is like a way Mm. to just knock it out of the park immediately. Um, Cancer Moonshot wants to have a summit involving pharma companies, research people, healthcare people, and patient organizations. And I think that is sounds really neat, you know, to have it be more inclusive and not just for pharma and doctors. They want to expand the roundtable talks that they've had, which is the series is called the White House Cancer Roundtable Conversation Series. And that just kind of includes people from all across the cancer world including two women with a cancer podcast wouldn't that be so cool we should launch some kind of campaign somebody nominate us <laughs> get the social media contest we have cash <laughs> we have envelopes full of cash just tag us and white house gov or whatever there that's right we'll give you free injections of some kind yeah we don't know <laughs> what no it might be saline might be water tap water <laughs> you can get my lubron shot i'd love a month off <laughs> why not So one bump in the road is that Eric Lander, who is a top official in this program, he's the director of the or well, former director now of the Office of Science and Technology Policy. He 
was kind of outed as a big time bully jackass. Mm -hmm. And he resigned from the office on February 7th. Mm -hmm. And so basically the office of science and technology policy has no director right now. You know who, you know who they should get? Who? Johnny California. (laughs) Get him in there. Get him out of Skagit County. That's right. You're done. Okay. He could just add that to his slate of <laughs> positions that he holds. Just power hungry, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. hoarding elected official positions. Um, so Eric Lander is out. He was accused of bullying, like having a demeaning, arrogant and controlling attitude. Lots of people said he was just kind of generally a bad fit from the start. So mm-hmm. it sounds like long term, hopefully they'll find somebody who's better for it. But meanwhile, Biden needs to appoint a replacement ASAP and they have to be confirmed by Congress, which God, that I hope mm-hmm. is something that Congress can manage to pull out of their asses and like get mm-hmm. somebody in that job who's not two raccoons in a lab coat. <laughs> So anyway, I mean, that's that's the Biden moonshot kind of overview. I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm hopeful, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Jeez. Got my eye on you, Joe Biden. Me too, but we will not be pains in the ass if we're invited to that round table. We'll add so much. It's true. You know whose name I was glad not to see in in any of the initial press release stuff, but maybe they're involved somehow, but. Who? The freaking. American Cancer Society. <laughs> they're not on that list, though. Yeah, they're they're not on the list. And I'm I'm glad to see that, too. They definitely have like a stranglehold on so much of the cancer stuff. Mm-hmm. But I am I am really glad to see that also. So my guess is they're they're actually going to have involvement in one way or another. But oh, of course. I mean, they're they're on it, I'm sure. But I was glad to see initially that that wasn't already planned out. Um, so in closing, we are on the hunt for a reputable source of Facoidian, Facoidian brown algae. <laughs> if anyone has good recs, hit us up. We'll research it and we'll let folks know. Send us a letter. It doesn't have to be about the this or the that thing and everything sucking. It could be about any old thing. Yeah, any old thing. Absolutely. Amy, can I shout out our new (gasps) Buy Me a Coffee patrons? Yes. We have three new friends. They are Clea. Thank you so much, Clea. Thank you. Laura. Thank you, Laura. And an anonymous. Thank you, anonymous. Thanks, Anon. Um, We really, 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 really appreciate Every single buy me a coffee or Patreon person. Mm-hmm. Um, someday maybe we'll get to the point where we can offer, you know, extra content. That would be really cool. But meanwhile, you guys have just stuck with us and that is amazing and much appreciated. Absolutely. And next episode, let's read off every single name of our buy me a coffees and patrons and you can sign up to be one. The link is in the show notes and always on our website. Yep. Um, great. Well. With that, see him next time or anything else? Nope, I think that's it. That's it. See you guys later. See you guys on the moon. Catch you on the flip side. Bye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 
Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehy. Our theme music is written and performed by Vividir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. so much for listening. Thanks for listening.